slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and Peter. Hi, all. And we'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And today's show will be focusing on a very special broadcast in regards to refugees and asylum seekers. And there's been quite a lot happening Lately, quite a lot of really atrocious and atrocious stuff and violation of human rights. Yeah, basically. So I want to draw listeners to the attention to a media release that was written recently by the Refugee Action Collective. But before I do that, I'll just introduce who's, who's being interviewed. First up, we're going to be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Sam Watson, who is a great warrior and Indigenous activist from Queensland. And listeners may recall that we have interviewed him before and we will be speaking with Sam about some possible laws that may be coming through similar to Joe Bjorki-Peterson style and they're laws that may stop assembly and protest in Queensland. And we wanted to speak with um, Sam about the historical perspective there. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Ali, who's who's locked up in detention. He was in Mitre, in Broadmeadows, and then he was transferred to Adelaide, and we're going to be speaking with him just about general issues, getting a bit of an update about him and his, and his health, and looking at um, what's happening with asylum seekers. So just to quickly introduce the first topic and to draw attention to the media release written by the Refugee Action Collective. On the 29th of the 8th, 2019, Priya Nadis and their Australian-born girls, Gopika and Tharunkia, were dragged against their will by Border Force officials onto a Skytrader plane as part of a forced deportation attempt. Priya was separated from her girls. There is now a legal injunction preventing Tharunkia from being deported before 4pm Wednesday, said Chris Breen for the Refugee Action Collective. So they were, it's, it's absolute shame, they were actually deported, they, they're trying to deport them against their will. I will correct they, s- some of the pronunciation too. Yes, Peter? Oh, they're in Christmas Island now. They've been transferred to Christmas Island. Yeah. So without any further ado, let's um, get Chris on the line and he can tell us what's going on. Hello, Chris, um, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Uh, hey, Chris, um, so how are you going? So ne- yesterday there was a rally I believe, um, at the State Library. Can you talk to us about that and talk to us about what's happening with the Tamil family? 
yes, there was a, a rally at the State Library, over a thousand people. Um, it was called, you know, a, a day's notice. So that was an excellent turnout and gives you an idea of the groundswell of support that there is for the, the family. Um, what's going on, the family has been moved um, in a shameful and deliberate move to Christmas Island to keep them out of contact of the media and friends and legal support. Um, there are there is a court case underway in Melbourne at the moment uh, for the um, youngest child. Um, essentially, uh, to, to see if she to make the case that she is stateless and has the right to apply for Australian citizenship, uh, there will be a separate case on Wednesday arguing. Uh, that the minister should have what is called lifted the bar, allowed her to make an asylum application, which she hasn't been, hasn't been able to do. There's currently an injunction to stop the family being deported until Wednesday at 4pm. Um, so the campaign it is chasing up every possible angle it can to increase pressure on the government to allow the family to, to stay. Um, this is a family who has faced real persecution. I mean, Priya came to Australia by boat in 2012. She fled after she witnessed her fiancé being burnt alive, um, along with five other people. Uh, Nadas still had scars and, and shrapnel on his body from a government bomb. We know that returned Tamil t- uh, asylum seekers um, are routinely arrested in Sri Lanka. Some are jailed. Um, we know that there are Australians that deported over a thousand uh, camels to Sri Lanka, and we know there are credible reports, um, for instance, to SBS um, News, that uh, returned asylum seekers were raped, and tortured on their return. So this is a family that faces a real fear of um, persecution. They're also a family who was much loved in the community where they lived and worked for um, many years. So. Um, you know, they weren't allowed to make asylum applications under the government's no advantage policy for many years. In the meantime, they, you know, they built their lives. They met, they married, they had children. Um, they, Priya was active in the community. Nada's worked in the meatworks in Biloela, and that community really rallied around them. Um, the petition that they organised has now been signed by over 230,000 people. So we are calling on the government to intervene. You know, Peter Dutton can intervene to save our pairs of well-connected people and people he used to work with. Then, you know, this family has a a serious, a serious, you know, case to stay. It's a real threat to send them back to Sri Lanka. So, Chris, so they've been the family has been active in the community. And how long has that been? Um. They, well, they got here 2012, 2000. They lived and worked in Biloela for four years. What? Um, yeah, so they, under the no advantage policy, I mean, it's the same policy which is, you know, keeping people locked up in Manus and Nauru. People were supposed to wait, you know, up to five years to be able to make asylum applications. But of course, they, you know, they build their lives here and make, um, connections in the meantime. And so the people in the town were, you know, horrified when the family was just ripped out from them and taken and flown to detention in Melbourne. Without, without any warning? Without any warning. Late at night, dragged off. Um, and the, uh, the girls, um, and the whole family spent over a year and a half in detention. Their health.
health has already been seriously damaged, um, any further harm is, is on the hands of the, the Scott Morrison government. Um, so there's court action underway, but the, you know the minister has the power to use his discretion to intervene to stop this, this deportation. Of particular concern is that I was hearing Peter Dutton speak the other day, mm. and he is saying that this family, Tamil family, from Sri Lanka are not refugees. That is so not true. I, and he he, he no, said it. Yeah, it's um, well. <laughs> In any, uh, you know, humanitarian definition, it is, you know, clearly they have fled uh, persecution and horrific circumstances um, on very, very narrow uh, legal grounds. Uh, courts have re- rejected their applications. But the, the whole visa processing system is um, political. When the Liberals came to office, they introduced the new uh, fast-track system that doesn't even allow some people to make asylum applications. Uh, it used to be that 90 to 95 percent of boat arrivals were found to be uh, refugees. That's now down to 30 percent, and it is uh, explicitly political decision making, uh, stacking the uh, the courts with uh, liberal, uh, you know, appointees. Uh, so the we're saying this family's case has not been um, seriously considered. You know, to say that. You, you witness your um, fiance burnt alive in front of you. It is and absolutely for not, appalling. For that not to be, you know, um, something that <laughs> you you would <laughs> you'd be in terror of ever going back. Uh, and the, you know, you could see from if anybody who watched the footage on the project and elsewhere of the family being deported, it was absolutely horrific. Yeah. Uh, forced deportation is always a brutal process. There are people who died chokeholds in post forced deportations when they've resisted. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, they, they should be allowed to stay. Indeed, they should, and, and they need to be allowed to stay. And to quote, actually, um, the Home to Bilo campaign speaker, Richard Di Natale, who's also the Greens leader, he said the other day in the news on ABC that it's cruel and barbaric. And just because they came by boat too, Chris, perhaps that's what Dutton is objecting to. Uh, there's, I mean, yes, there's always been discrimination against people who've come by boat. Um, it's been long built into Australian law, even though the, the Refugee Convention, which Australia signed, says that people should not be discriminated against um, on depending on their mode of arrival, you know, whether that's by um, plane or by boat. Um, but the, you asked about the rally yesterday. I didn't really talk about that. That was great. We had speakers from Trades Hall, from the Tamil Refugee Council, friends of the family, um, some people on temporary protection visas Good. who faced uh, very similar issues. You know, there's currently 30,000 refugees in the community um, who don't have permanent um, permanency here. They've got temporary visas. They can't build lives. They can't have family reunion. Um, and it, it's really of a piece what is being done to them, what is being done to this family, what is being done with indefinite detention on Manus and Nauru. Absolutely, and we've only got a couple of minutes left, Chris, but thank you so much for mentioning the rally. Could you just correct uh, my possible mistakes in the pronunciation of the names of the family members, please? Uh, okay, I, I hope I do that. It's, it's uh, Priya, uh, Nardes, uh, Kopika, and... I have to admit the the, uh, the youngest girl's name I always pronounce as Veronica, 
and heard it. No, but heard it uh, recently, and I suspect my pronunciation was wrong as uh, Tonica. Um, Thank you. I yeah, I haven't been in direct uh, contact with the family, That's okay. and I will I will double check that. Um, I think it sounds because it, it matters. Close. It does matter, um, but that's okay. Look, um, can I? I'd also like to encourage people, there is going to be a rally outside the um, court uh, uh, case on Wednesday, so Mm. 9 o'clock outside the federal court in Melbourne. 9 o'clock outside the federal court in Melbourne. See if listeners can rock up to that that rally outside the court. Wednesday. On Wednesday morning. And also, uh, just to reiterate that, at the moment, the family is at Christmas Island, and are they the only ones yeah. there? Uh, yes, Christmas Seriously. Island was reopened by Morrison in a $185 million um, election stunt. They, are, Since it was reopened, they are the first and only asylum seekers held there. It is cruel and bizarre it's and horrible, yeah. barbaric. It is. It's really horrible. And, and what do you think will Isolated. happen? What, what In your... Well, not in your view, but... How does it look? Well, How does it look? Well, what happened? It's, it's an open, <laughs> it's an open question. On the one hand, the, the legal grounds are difficult to win uh, because of the way that the you know the laws have been changed in this country. On the other hand, the government is under immense pressure. Uh, so you've seen even people like Barnaby Joyce, uh, Alan Jones, uh, the MP that covers the National oh, MP that covers Villa Wheeler, come out calling for the family to stay. Uh, Dutton's dug his heels in. Scott Morrison hasn't said a word um, to date. And so we are just trying to increase the pressure as much as we can. In a welcome shift, Labor leader Anthony Albanese has come out calling for the family to stay. Indeed. There's an active ComCare investigation into their treatment that they should be allowed to stay as as witnesses for. Um, So we're trying to build that pressure. We're asking people to take workplace selfies the next day or two to and upload them to social media you can send them to the refugee action collective um the petition is on our site every little bit helps chris thank you so much for coming onto the program and i'm sure we'll be having you back in it's it's been a terrible week thank you for having me thanks a lot thanks chris bye-bye bye and that was chris breen from the refugee action collective speaking about the tamil um the tamil asylum seeker family who have who are being hopefully not deported to back to their country. And at the moment, they're rotting on Christmas Island. Let's hope that the courts are able to, to work that out. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japurang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japurang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. Six years I've been in 
Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things like And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. And you're back with the Doing Time show. We're going to be speaking next with Sam Watson and we will speak with him about possible laws that may actually affect the rights and liberties of um, activists and concerned citizens. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. Um, I think we've just had a bit Hello, of technical Sam? difficulty. Hello, Sam. Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. And let's try again. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. G'day. How you doing? Yeah, uh, pretty good, thanks. Sam, it's great to have you on the program and... I was wondering if you could start off by just telling us, and I know I always ask you this question, but it's so important for listeners in case new ones have tuned in. Can you let us know what land you're from? Yeah, I was born and raised in a place that's uh, now called Brisbane, but this is country of uh, a number of major tribal groups who speak the Jagada language. So our mob are Wanjavara people from down uh, south towards the border. We've got... uh, Kinship tie and blood ties into the Jagra language group. So our country extends from a uh, place where the uh, East of Wales Queensland border is, right up through the uh, this area now, and uh, towards the place called Sunshine Coast. That's on grandmother's side, and then grandfather's side, we belong to uh, the Central Queensland area, um, the Bitigaba, Wirree, 
country, uh, where the Adani mob are trying to start their mine up. And then I've also got uh, family connection up to Kalkanoo mob, uh, up around Mount Isa, um, Palm Island, and up in the Cape, the, the uh, Wickmar Poon people. So got mob right through country. Uh, but like I said, born and raised and uh, yeah, lived and worked all my life here in a place called Brisbane. Uh, good mob, good community. Absolutely. And Sam, we had a chat off air this morning and you agreed to come onto the show because we were both chatting about what's happening in Queensland and looking at, the, is it true that there are possible laws that, you know, to try and stop protesting? Yeah, well, the, uh, the state Labor government's in loads of strife at the moment. Um, they're under attack from, from various directions and various quarters. Um, and they're grasping to every sort of uh, political opportunity they can get. Um, over the last uh, few months, there's been uh, sustained uh, activist activity uh, right across the Brisbane area, particularly around the CBD. And uh, naturally, this has impacted on uh, on people driving to and from work and etc. So uh, it's a it's a contentious political issue. Um, and the right wing, uh, conservative uh, elements, uh, are trying to force the government into a situation where they will penalise uh, the radicals and the activists um, uh, so that they can uh, safely get uh, get down to uh, their workplaces or get home. So they're trying to, like I said, uh, um, stifle stifle the the rights of radicals and activists to have a, a political voice um, and this is uh, this takes us back to the days of Joe Bajocki Peterson back in the uh, 60s and 70s because back in the, the mid 70s Joe Bajocki Peterson was an absolute lunatic um, uh, and he had a, a gerrymandered electoral system which uh, saw him surviving every you know election after election on 20, 25-27% of the vote, yet with a, a massive majority of seats. So it was a bizarre system that finally in 1989, um, the, the country, the, the state had just had enough and and uh, voted Joe and his crew out uh, and then came a Labor government and they liberalised the laws. But, uh, but like I said, it's, it's now back on the political agenda where government... Uh, is threatening to introduce laws by the end of the year, uh, which will make it very difficult for people to organise street marches and have protests in the city that uh, impact on other other street and road users. I mean, we we have been you know I've been marching. Uh, my wife and I, when we were school kids, uh, we used to back in the 60s and 70s, we used to go into town and march against the Vietnam War. We as kids, we used to march against the uh, the White Australia policy. Uh, we used to march in support of the ANC in, in the African struggle against the apartheid regime. So uh, across a range of issues, uh, students, uh, Christians, ordinary workers, ordinary people in the street would, would use the opportunity uh, to stage rallies, stage protests and, and march in order to send... A message to governments of the day, but also to show our solidarity 
with the with the global activist community. Uh, so we we don't have the funds and resources that the multinationals have in order to buy uh, you know TV TV time uh, or the big screens or buy pages in newspapers this sort of thing. So we if we want to take our protest, we take it to the streets and and we have every right to do that. So. We we will also, if the state government attempts to change the laws and bring back those Joe laws, uh, which made it uh, made it uh, illegal for people to stage street marches, um, then if they attempt to do that, then uh, there will be a whole new wave of political action. Absolutely, and and what was, did people have to go to? Did people go to prison if they protested, Sam? Yes, well, back in back in the day, back in the day, it used to uh, it was bizarre because uh, we would, when the laws were in, uh, Joe again would bring in, as he always did, he'd bring in uh, busloads of country coppers uh, who absolutely hated long-haired, uh, long-haired bloody students and activists <laughs> and radicals, and they'd come in and uh, and he'd just turn them loose because under the Joe years and Joe Delkey Peterson. Uh, ruled the state with an iron fist for almost 20 years, and uh, he he militarised. Uh, he, he, con- con- he converted, he changed the um, the Queensland Police Service into a paramilitary force uh, that specialised in absolute thuggery and brutality. So they were they were brutal, uh, rough people, and and they caused. I mean, they they bashed and terrorised people. They particularly uh, mishandled and, and, and inappropriately handled uh, women demonstrators uh, and, and just bashed people. I mean, previous Premier Peter Beattie uh, got bashed so severely in the Springbok demonstration in July 1971 that he had to be rushed from the from the uh, demonstrations to the uh, to the hospital. So he uh, he spent uh, some days in, in hospital recovering. These covers. Because Joe gave them a clear message that he said they could do anything they wanted to and they'd never ever have to face any sort of inquiry, any sort of charges. So it's, I mean, I wouldn't go, I don't think the situation at that stage yet. And and the police, uh, again, in Queensland haven't, haven't given any indication yet as to what their attitudes are. But the Queensland Police Service is a, uh, again, a, a very, very powerful uh, subgroup within the Queensland community. We, we must remember that back in 2004, when, when a nephew of ours was murdered in the Palm Island Watch House, and it took sustained political action to finally have the police officer who was in charge of that, our nephew at the time that he was, he was, uh, brutally assaulted to the point where he died in the Watch House in November 2004. We, it took three years of, of high-level international and national political action to have that have that cop charged. But when he was charged, the Queensland Police Service organised statewide stop work meetings and marched on the Queensland Parliament in order to try to intimidate them to have the charges quashed. So the Queensland Police Service is a law unto themselves, and if they want to buy into this issue an attempt to support the Queensland Government in order to try to close down street marches, then we will confront them as well. I mean, you know, uh, we're, we're not, we're not all intimidated. We're not terrified. Uh, we will, we will, we are 
galvanised by our beliefs and we are committed to the principles that we are standing for. So we have to take on the Queensland Government and we have to take on the Queensland Police Service and Soviet. Bring absolutely. it on. Look, ab- absolutely. And, and indeed, um, interesting that you should talk about deaths in custody because that really is connected to protest because it goes hand in hand. And Sam, I'm sure you're aware of this, but in Victoria, Auntie Tanya Day um, has died tragically in police custody and her inquest is actually happening now at the coroner's court in Melbourne and there's been high-level protest um, happening with that too, you know, to prove that there is systemic racism. Um, Well, Victoria um, is removing the so-called offence of public drunkenness from the statute book. Queensland is the last state in the Commonwealth of Australia that is holding public drunkenness over uh, as a criminal offence. Now, this is a direct uh, contradiction of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody that handed down 339 recommendations. And one of the most basic rec- recommendations was yeah. that the offence of public drunkenness be struck from the book. So Victoria uh, has responded um, and they removed that offence. Uh, but Queensland is the last state in Australia uh, to hold that offence. So... Persons who are uh, under the influence of alcohol or drugs uh, have no place in a watch house. Um, they should be taken to a place of safety and uh, they should be monitored and supported during that time. So we have a diversionary centre program in, in Queensland. Um, I don't know if there are diversionary programs elsewhere, Not but there should be because there are a large number of reasons why people... Uh, take alcohol or take other substances in order to to deaden the pain of of trauma and pressure they're going through. So they don't need to be punished for that. Uh, What they do need to be is supported and monitored during that period of intoxication. And uh, and a watch out is not the place to to do that. Indeed it's not. And it's good that we've talked about that because basically, and let me know what, what you think of this, Sam, but... You know, when we're looking at getting rid of or possibly getting rid of protest laws, it all, you know, the police and, you know, it's all, it's all symbolic and, and it all goes back to colonisation, doesn't it? And historically, police were not, um, were, were not good with Aboriginal people at all and, and they, they treated them abominably. Well, I mean, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people didn't have alcohol or illegal substances until white fellas come out of the uh, for sure the oceans, you know so uh, for sure there were we had bush tucker and bush medicines but they were they were there to assist us and make us healthier so um right across the uh, the colonial period uh they want you know the the power the invaders the invaders uh used alcohol and drugs in order to uh, enslave and control Aboriginal people. Here in Queensland, you've had that situation in the 1800s where certain businesses in uh, across the coastal fringe of Queensland, from Cairns down to Brisbane, actually uh, withheld, withheld cash wages and paid Aboriginal workers in opium. So finally, after enormous pressure from... Uh, churches and other other welfare groups. In 1897, uh, the government introduced a legislation called the 
the restrictions of the sale of opium and the protection of Aborigines Act in order to close down uh, that, that trade and, and, and opium. So large numbers of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who worked uh, honest, honestly for uh, European employers were, in, were not paid in, in cash money, but they paid in opium. So finally, 1897, uh, those, those, that practice was, uh, was made illegal and, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were then uh, moved across to the cash economy. But uh, so there's been that history where the uh, the invader class has used alcohol and and drugs in order to enslave and abuse and exploit Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. Absolutely, and you know that's that's very true. So I'm really glad that we were able to discuss some of that history because history is really important, isn't it? Well, I mean, as that old saying, if you don't learn from the mistakes of history will be doomed to repeat them and uh, that's what that's what we're seeing here uh, to move the, the debate, you know, the conversation forward. If we don't learn from the mistakes of that uh, almost 20 years of corrupt and rotten, brutal repression uh, uh, of the Bajalki-Peterson government um, from the 1960s through to 1989, then Queensland will be doomed to repeat them and, and you, again you have a government that has the appearance of being totally owned and controlled and manipulated uh, by the the multinationals. You know, you have Adani pulling the strings uh, of, of the puppet government, and that is just totally unacceptable. Uh, so you have up on up on up on the site of the proposed Adani mine, you have a sovereignty camp. So there are a large number of Aboriginal supported people and supporters up there as we speak, uh, who are challenging and, and defying uh, any attempt by the, the Adani mob to uh, set up their, to, to launch their, um, their, mining, their mining projects. So that is on. And that, that again, is a peaceful, positive form of protest. So Absolutely. Aboriginal people are not, are not intimidated by this. And we will we'll continue to, to speak out and we'll continue to rally and we'll continue to protest. Indeed, we will. Look, Sam, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Um, Peter's going to be lining up presently. Um, Ali, who is an asylum seeker, who's um, a refugee, sorry, who is detained in detention, and we'll speak with him next. Are there any final yeah, comments tell, you want tell to make? Yeah. Tell our comrades who are in detention that uh, under Aboriginal law, uh, they would not be held in those places under Aboriginal law. They would take them to our, into our tribe, into our community, into our, into our families and their rights as, as human beings would be respected and uh, they would be taken into our families and they would be introduced to to our cultures and to our dreaming so that uh, their children would then also learn the, the magic of country. Their children would be taught the songs and dance the stories of this land one time. You know, that's well said, Sam, and, and it's really important that that's, that's talked about. Thanks so much. Yeah. We'll tell him Thanks. that. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. And that was Sam, Sam Watson um, speaking about... Oops. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties there. That was Sam Watson, who is Indigenous warrior and activist from Queensland, um, speaking about um, the, the possible protest laws that could go into Queensland by the state government. I hope not. 
and let's keep an eye on that space. And also looking at some history, and in particular um, Indigenous history.
And you're back with the Do In Time show in case listeners have just tuned in. This is 3CR Community Radio. And you just heard a song by Mojo Juju and it's called Native Song. Next up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Ali, who's detained in Adelaide Detention Centre, and he was transferred from Maita, and he was he was terribly affected by what happened with the Tamil Tamil um, asylum seekers. Yeah. Hello, Ali. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marisa. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Good. Thanks. <laughs> it's great to have you, Ali. And you know, I just wanted to just say before you start that. The Doing Time show, this is a very important part of our show because we like to have a safe environment where asylum seekers, Aboriginal people, people from minority groups can come and speak, people who don't have a voice. So over to you, Ali. Tell us what's going on. Thank you. Well, the Tumble family is all they're trying to do is seeking asylum seeker mm. in Australia. They here are the two little kids they were born here, so they technically they're Australian. They shouldn't do that to them, and then making them go on through all that traumatized situation when they're dragging their mother at the front of them with a horribly violent situation and making them crying in the plane. Yeah. And as well, on top of that, is I was uh, reading about it. Uh, one of the a news reporters of uh, The Guardian said already the government have been taken out of taxpayers' money, $1.7 million, for the, all the private jet planes, mm. rent the, the planes to take them from from Melbourne to Darwin and to, to Christmas Island and hotels and extra stuff. Uh, as everyone in, in you, they already took 20 people, uh, 20 officers with them on that charter plane from Melbourne, and then they call in again and call another 14 officers to follow them to Darwin so they can give a break to the 20 officers and they've been not having a break. So that's 34 staff. If plus, they call in extra more Medicare and cancelling and immigration and border force to be reopen all the Christmas Islands. So nearly up to 75 staff being called in on only four people in the Christmas Island. And Christmas Island is horribly uh, conditioned to be living in as, as just a human being. That's why they shut it down, because it's just not really good conditions to live in. Not not to be living as kids as well. This is a horrible, like... I, I've been in the Christmas Island. I've seen it. Uh, I, I didn't like it. I, I, I've been in the Christmas Island only three days, and I didn't like it. I felt um, really in a serious situation to come back to the mainland, to come back to mainland. Like I was really, really willing to lose my life than stay there. And I was, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just a man. I should be more strong than the kids. So you know, Ali. Exactly, and Ali, I, I know you've been really traumatised by what's happened with with the Tamil family. Yeah, I um, was actually. Uh, I got call from from them uh, when they were in the property in uh, in Melbourne. Right. And uh, and they were all crying and that, and I will record the video straight away and I put the video up on 
uh, on the page, on Facebook, on social media. Oh, I'm actually crying. I end up in the hospital. You went to hospital? I went to the hospital here in the same night. I stayed in the hospital until the next day. Uh, I had the uh, anxiety attack from just being crying and not able to help them or doing anything to stop it. I'm not in Melbourne anymore to stop it. I'm not able to do anything in there. I'm just an Adelaide pushed in 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 the far corner just so they can shut me off, move me to Adelaide and just leave me in here. You know what, Ali, I think think you still can do... You are doing things. You're doing a lot of fantastic things for asylum seekers and refugees. You're doing doing videos and the the Facebook, isn't it? I I do help a lot of people. Yeah, you do. uh, as I've been called in now to another case in Sydney, I have to go to court in Sydney on Thursday. One of the detainees who is a mute, so he's disa- disabled, uh, he's uh, what they call a deaf, he can't talk, and mute. Uh, he hanged himself two years ago and he lost in the process, he got damaged his neck and he can't talk anymore. And then one of the officers in there, he always bullied him and he keep uh, bullying him and that so he keep records him on videos and then that officer went and put intervention order IVO against him. Now I have to go on Thursday to court with the person, the deaf person and explain to them this person is, is just a human being and tr- afraid from them for what they're doing. That's why they, he records always oh this video. He's not responsible for it because I'm the one posting the video. So if, if someone should get punished, it's me, not this person. This is this is really ridiculous to be doing that to people. Like it, it's just so horrible. He's already been six years detained in Sydney, and then he's amused. He can't talk. He can't even defend himself. And as well, he, he did even ask for a proper special uh, tablet for mute people. So. Sure, the signs and that, yeah. and then the signs because he can't talk anymore to people. They got refused by border force to get into the centre. But see, you know, Ali, there's so many countless examples that are happening, and I think the thing that is really concerning about your situation is that you're already on a visa in the community, and just because you, there was a minor traffic violation, you know, they they put you in yeah, prison. And then after you served your time, what's the point of detaining you? Why didn't they just let you go down the path of being a visa? You're not a murderer, you're not a pedophile, and yet the French nannies are allowed in. No, it's like... It's ridiculous. It's really bad. That's what they do. It's like here now we've got someone is on heart machine, heart beeping machine, and with him two nurses looking after him, he's 87-year-old, a man. With a wheelchair, <gasps> he's on the wheelchair, Are you and, oh then, my God. and then he's happy. He's happy to go back. If they wanted to put him to England, he's happy to go back. But the yeah. doctors here said he's not fit to fly. So what's the point keeping him in here? For heaven's sake! I, I said, I said, how long he's been here? They said, oh, he's been here about eighteen months. So you're leaving someone eighteen months to look after him, two nurses a day. And these two nurses every eight hours get a place. So, so six nurses every 24 hours they get to the center to look after this person. 
and this uh, this person can get deported because he's not fit to fly. They said on the paperwork his heart is like three months baby, very weak. If he jump on the plane, he'll die. Yeah. Look, it, it's then, terrible in being in limbo like that, isn't it, Ali? Now, look, Ali, I wanted to just share yeah. with you a special message from yeah. Sam Watson. Peter and I were interviewing Sam Watson who's an Aboriginal elder from Queensland, a lovely man who we've interviewed for, for many years. And he wanted to, to send a message to you, because we mentioned yes. that we were going to be interviewing you next, and, and all refugees, that if, if this country was under Aboriginal law, no one would be deported. Everybody would be together and That's would be sharing the dreaming and the culture. That's what I mean. I said if someone want to kick us out of the country, it should be the Aboriginal people who own this land, not people coming from somewhere else, same as us, and then making decisions in this country. It doesn't matter if you're just born in here, make you Australian citizens straight away, and then you're making decisions who you kick and who you're keeping in here, is, should be the Aboriginal people who make decisions like that, because they, they own this land. They, this is their house. So it's like I'm coming to see you and then I don't get kicked out from you from your house. I get kicked out by your friend. It's just it's, ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. And in, in fact, you know, the the system, the colonisation has definitely, you know, taken over this country. And in fact, this example is kind of parallel. And I thought I'd mention it, um, that when I was actually in high school, I actually come from a non-English speaking background. And my teacher used to mark me down from the rest of the kids, or the rest of the young people, um, because my English was um, was not was was very poor. But it actually wasn't poor. I wrote just as well as anybody else. And my mother came into the school and she said, "Who are you? Who are you to to mark my daughter down just because she's Italian? Because you know what? The Aboriginal people are the first people that came to this land." Yes, of course. And in the same way, you know, as Sam said, he said, send a message to Ali that under Aboriginal law that you um, you are entitled to stay here. Yeah, of course. That, that, and, and as well, I, 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 you can see how much people have been protesting the last all this week and how much pressure they're putting on the government, and they just ignore it. They just they ignore it. it. They're yeah, not doing right. nothing yeah. about it. Yeah. Because so can the, you imagine... Yeah. This two little girls case, what this two little girls case compared to mine, I'm nothing. I'm in the middle of not even 10% chance against the government. But yeah. look at this two little girls, how much they have supported more than me five times, six times, and they're still in detention and he doesn't want to release it. As I said, I went to court already and, and we asked, uh, my lawyer asked, uh, my lawyer, Rohan, he asked uh, the judge, he said, what's the point keeping him in detention center if you can't deport him? And the judge already agreed with us, and we win the federal court, and then we come back here. Now I call I call always what's going on with my case, the immigration. Oh, it's a caseload issue. You just need to wait. Your paperwork in the minister office. Don't call again here. So they hang up the phone in my face. Why are you hang up the phone in my face? Like, Ali, I'm can just, other people in the community ring on your behalf or not? Or is it just, can other people in the community ring on your behalf 
to ask about I your case, or can it just lo- be the lawyer? I think I think it's only lawyer. We'll have to do some research. I'm not sure about it, but yeah, it's just like it's a caseload issue. It's a caseload issue. Well, if it's a caseload issue, put some people to work more more on it, so you release the pressure of detention centres. They fall, they fall. Now, Melbourne detention centres. I got a call two nights ago from people in a the hotel. They've been detained in a hotel in Melbourne. What? 62 people now, 62 people now detained in a hotel in the middle of nowhere in, in Melbourne because they don't have a place for them in Melbourne. Melbourne is full. Malta is full. <laughs> Seriously. So 62 people extra in Melbourne, uh, somewhere in a hotel, and they've been talking to me. No one visits them. They're not allowed to go out. They're just in the room. They're just allowed to watch TV and sit down on frozen meals they give frozen meals. They give it to them in a container, plastic container, put it in a microwave and eat it. Whatever is the frozen meat it is. And it's just horrible food. And they really not happy about it. They they called me, they said, What's this what's this life we came to? Uh, this is not even detention centre. We just want to go to detention centre now. And uh, they not put in them because they're too full. So all over Australia network now, all detention centers is full. Everywhere is full net like Full all the detention centers. So if if you have full detention centers, release the pressure. Take the people who win the cases. Why are you keeping them in here? Like my case, I win it, and I'm still here. This uh, family with the two little girls, take them out. Release the pressure and be nice and and show the show to Australian people this government actually got a heart and cares about people opinions in the street not actually just ignoring them and and show them the other face of you. Well, show let's hope. Let's hope that something something good happens. Um, that, but, that, you know, Ali, I'm, I mean. I'm not surprised that you went to hospital, really. You know, on top of it, you, you're upset about the family and then having, staring at four walls in there. I'm not surprised. Too much pressure. Too much. Too much. Everything is wrong with... Especially, as you know, I gotta go to court case on the 26. Um, too much pressure on me from uh, my case already been four years. I had enough. Uh, the 26th of September. Yeah, 26th September. I got to court. At the magistrate's court. We don't want to talk too much about it. But but do go and support Ali. I gotta go to this court. I gotta I gotta go to fight my visa and see what's going on with my visa, why they're not giving me visa. There's a, a lot of things going on with my my cases and other people's cases. Like, it's really hard. It is hard. and you know, It's not good to be detained people like that. And they can't deport them. Like, like me now, they can't deport me. There are some people, Iraqis or Afghanis or Syrian, and that, they can't deport these people. So what's the point of holding them in here? And you're from Iraq, yes? Yes, I, I work in, in Perth, I work and I pay taxes, I work in Penalbita and in Balagia, much repair in in, uh, in Perth. So I've never been on Centrelink. We own our house and my family got a house. So if of I course. get released, I'm not going to cost them nothing. But now I'm in here, I'm costing them something. It is I'm a violation of human rights. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking now technically money for nothing. By the way, human rights, they were here today as well. I talked to them. They came into the center to check everything and that. 
and they said, please, Ali, tell on your social media as well uh, to people in MITRE Detention Center. We're coming for a quick inspection for MITRE Detention Center, Melbourne, on the 9th. Good. So on the 9th of, uh, so the 9th of uh, September, which is exactly another seven days. That's Monday. They're coming actually to... Uh, Who is coming? To a human rights. The Human, ri- human Rights Nations. Watch? Yeah, the United Nations. Oh, the United UN. Nations are coming. Okay, good. Yeah. Ali, so we're just... Go on. What were you going to say? So they came in today and they checked the centre and they see everything. I talked to them about a lot of things happening in Sydney and Melbourne. They talked to me separately from everyone because their boss, I know, I've been texting on that. So they said he sent us specifically to you to talk to you and to see things you have already documented and on your phone and that. So they checked a lot of things with me. Yeah, and that's good. And everyone was watching everything and that. And they took me to the office privately talking to them, only me and them. That's um, right. Yeah, Ali, yeah, we're, said, I'm going to have to stop you there because we're, we're going to have to finish the show now because it's nearly 5 yep. o'clock and the next people have to come in beyond zero who are cl- yep. um, they're really into climate change and a lot of other great things that they're going to do. Sorry, Ali, but I hope you, um, I hope we can, you can come back sometime and we can have more of a chat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course, I will, I will come, definitely. Thank, Thank you, you very Ali. Much. I appreciate for the call. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Ali, um, an Iraqi refugee who is um, detained um, in Adelaide. And it's goodbye from Marissa. And Peter. And Peter. And um, goodbye and stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Do and Time show. And thanks a lot to all our guests. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. Bye.